We're going through the Sermon on the Mount right now, and we have gotten to the place where Jesus has just taught us a template for prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, as we've been saying, is a template. It's a model to follow. But now then, he backs up, and he uh, goes back, and he comments on one major part of the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you've been following along with me, you will see that this is a sermon, and along the way, as Jesus is preaching his Sermon on the Mount, he is gradually unpacking and unfolding more and more what he has, he has said before as he adds more to it. But he, he basically, he's taking the Beatitudes and going through them and unpacking each one of them in a tremendous way. And so today, we see that he has uh, uh, come to the place to where, remember we prayed, Forgive us our trespasses as we also have forgiven those who've trespassed against us. And that really should be translated as we have already forgiven those who have trespassed against us. It's in a uh, past tense saying that it's something that we have already done. And so whenever you come to the Lord in prayer, you should already have forgiven everyone, everyone. Now, let me, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today because I don't want to put you on a spot, but just think, is there a problem person in your life? Someone that if you see them walking down the street on one side of the road, you're going to cross over to the other side just so you don't have to speak to them. Or maybe they're a family member that uh, you wish in your heart of hearts when they come in one door, you would just start looking for a way to get out another door just because it's hard for you to be in the same room with those people. Many of us have problem people in our lives. And many times those problems come from pain that has been inflicted upon us by those people in our past. And it stays with us. And this is one of those things that Jesus came to free us from. Because you see, as long as we hang on to bitterness, we wind up letting the people that we want to have the least control in our lives have the most control and dominate us laying in bed at night, and these people pop into your head. And then you can't go to sleep just because you thought about them. And uh, they, they just, uh, uh, they, they determine which family events you go to or which events you go to and which events you do not go to. Many of us have these sorts of people, and some of us can now grace, gratefully say had these sorts of people not because those people disappeared from our lives, but because we have dealt with the problem. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today, because this is what the Lord is talking about. We see, he says, forgive us our trespasses as we have already forgiven those who have trespassed against us. And then he goes on down, and right below that, 
the very next thing that he says after he's taught us this format for prayer. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, and any time you see a but in the Bible, you know that something major is going to follow. But, if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, this is major, folks. Forgiveness is something that is required of us. It's not an option. It has to be done. And we remember, we have just prayed, thy kingdom come. And then at the end, we say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We're saying, you're in control, Lord. And he's saying, forgive. This is one of those places where you discover if you have really stepped off the throne of your heart and let Jesus reign supreme. Because if you are harboring bitterness, then you haven't gotten to the place where Jesus is truly your Lord. And this isn't just in little things. Sometimes people think that, well, this is just having to do with little things. But then my thing is a big thing. It's different. No, it goes all the way up and down. There are no exceptions to this. Adolf Coors III was kidnapped and held for ransom a couple of decades ago. Seven months later, his body was found on a remote hillside. He'd been shot to death. His son, Adolf Coors IV, was then 15 years old, and he lost not only his father, but his best friend. And for years, young Coors hated Joseph Corbett, the man who was sentenced to life for killing his father. But in 1975, Ad Coors became a Christian. And while he divested himself of his interest in the family beer business, he could not grow in faith because he couldn't divest himself of the hatred that consumed him because of what this man did to his father. He prayed to God to help because he realized how his hatred for Corbett was alienating him from God and from other people. And day, the day came, however, whenever he just asked for the Lord's help and claiming the help of the Holy Spirit, he went to Colorado's Canyon City Penitentiary and he tried to talk to Mr. Corbett, but Corbett refused to see him. And so Coors left a Bible inscribed with this message. I'm here to see you today, and I'm sorry we could not meet. As a Christian, I am summoned by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to forgive. I do forgive you, and I ask you to forgive me for the hatred I've held in my heart for you. Later, Mr. Coors confessed, I have a love for that man that only Christ could have put in my heart. My wife, Sharon's major pastor, the one who really showed her the way, uh, Reverend Max Caesar, tremendous man, still living, 
His daughter, Sharon's friend, was brutally attacked and murdered. And while he was being held in Los Angeles County Jail, Reverend Max Caesar, Brother Caesar, went to the jail and he talked to this young man and let him know that as horrible as what he had done to his daughter, he forgave him. Well, it broke that man's heart. And uh, Brother Caesar has, uh, has, has explained how this man had a bad robe, but you know, you don't excuse things like this. But because of Brother Caesar's forgiveness of him, he opened his heart to Brother Caesar, and Brother Caesar was able to lead him to the Lord and then came back regularly to disciple him. In his discipling of this young man, those in uh, the Los Angeles County Jail began to notice things, and they asked Brother Caesar to be the first chaplain that Los Angeles County Jail ever had. And he still goes there. He's in his 80s now. When he, I'm sorry? 90s. 90s. He's still going there and making a difference in people's lives. Corey Tin Boom was another who had been treated horribly and her sister had died because of a prison guard in the prison camp where they were. And then he shows up at a meeting where she was preaching. And at the end of the meeting, this prison guard was waiting to meet her. And she saw him coming and it just went all the bitterness was there. He, he, he treated both of them horribly. And she finally, as it got, she got close, she just finally said, Jesus, I can't do this. You're going to have to forgive him through me. And so whenever he reached out his hand and he said, please forgive me, I'm so sorry. A love just welled up within her that was not from herself, but from him, from him. And because of what the Lord put in her, she was able to forgive him. Some of us may not have the opportunity to forgive someone who has hurt us deeply because that person may not be in this world anymore. Sometimes we carry bitterness in our hearts towards people that are gone, and we don't think that there's any way that we can make things uh, right with them or that we can forgive them. But see, bitterness will eat us up, and this is why the Lord wanted us to forgive. But remember, it's not because it's good for us to forgive that we forgive. If there were no other reason, it's because the Lord says, do it. And here he uses three times as many words explaining and extrapolating on what he said in the Lord's Prayer, telling us to be sure and forgive. Uh, we have there are many, many other uh, places in Scripture where you remember they're walking along and Peter was so concerned about this sort of stuff that he heard Jesus talking about, about forgiveness. So he says, well, Lord, how many times should I forgive? If my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Seven times? And he thought he was being pretty magnanimous and, and, and big in his estimation there. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? Nay, Peter, 70 times seven. And what he meant was every time that somebody sins against you and asks for forgiveness, you give it. If they come back, but you see, it's not for their sake. It's for yours so that you, ladybug, will be, uh, so that you will be set free from them 
because they, like I said, they are going to ruin your life if you hang on to this sort of stuff. Well, I, uh, I know that you'll, you, you probably have run across some people that it seems like they're always bitter. There's always some reason, something that they, uh, uh, they're finding something to be upset about. You ever run across any people like that? They've always got a feud going with somebody. There's always something uh, that's going on in their lives. I find that the majority of people that think that they're having a problem with unforgiveness are really having another kind of problem altogether. And that problem is uh, that uh, they have not gotten off the throne of their heart. They find themselves always having a problem with someone and angry at someone, struggling with bitterness uh, that's in their hearts. And some of them even find themselves uh, getting angry when someone's talking about forgiving. And if that's one of you, if 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 any of you are getting angry because I'm talking about forgiveness, let me first of all let you know I understand because that anger is coming from pain and you're feeling like you're going to have to uh, somehow excuse somebody for something. But it's not, you're not defending, I'm not, you're not, def- I'm not defending the other person talking about forgiveness and God's not defending the other person in telling you to forgive. It is for your sake that he wants you to forgive. Uh, their problem. Their problem is they haven't really started living the Christian life. They haven't lived out those words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is one of the most Christ-like things that you can do. You remember Jesus was hanging on a cross, and as he hung there, he looked down on those that had driven the spikes in his hands, and the nails in his feet that had deserted him, that had turned on him, that had betrayed him, that had plotted to kill him. He looked down on all those that were reviling him and cursing him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He forgave them. And if he can forgive people, he can help us to forgive people. We can't do it without his help. It's one of those things that's bigger than us. It's one of those things that we have to have his help in doing it. And it's one of those places that you find his power, the power of his Holy Spirit working in you as you attempt to do it. Because that's where you find the Lord is whatever you start trying to obey, even when it's hard to obey. That's where you meet him. Well, I had one very, very significant problem person in my life. And uh, later on, as the Lord took began to take me through a process of forgiving, and I realized I had to forgive this person and realized that this person was uh, just uh, consuming my life, I developed uh, this. He gave me this format that I gave you there that you should all have a copy of. And this is uh, just tall, call it 10 steps to forgiveness. And I want to go through this quickly with you, just in case you may be having a problem with forgiving. Sometimes people have a problem forgiving because they don't realize what it is. 
But uh, before I go there, I do want to just kind of reiterate. It's for, first of all, it's for your health. Bitterness has been tied with heart trouble, with cancer, and more than anything else, with arthritis. It's amazing. I remember one woman, uh, all of a sudden she was just consumed with arthritis. And I went out to visit with her, and she wanted me to pray for her to be healed. And I said, well, now, you know, uh, before we pray for your healing, I've discovered that many times there's a tremendous connection between bitterness and unforgiveness and arthritis. And I just need to know, is there someone that you're harboring bitterness toward? And she looked at me funny, said, there sure is. My two nephews, they had uh, promised her husband was getting in poor health and they promised, if you'll come and live in this city where we are, then we'll look after you and take care of you. So they sold everything they had. They left all their friends in another city and they moved to the town where I was and where these nephews were. And then those nephews never even gave them the time of day. And that hurt. They were deceived. They were betrayed. It hurt. They had no friends. They were making new friends in the church. But I said, well, and we talked about this. And so she said, okay, if this is what the Lord says I have to do, then I guess I'll have to do it. And so she forgave them. And then we prayed. This woman who had been so eaten up with arthritis, she couldn't even go down the steps. About three weeks later, when I went to visit them, she walked over to see me from pushing the lawnmower outside. Got the bitterness out of the way. And the Lord was able to make a difference. It's incredible. But you see, you don't do this for health benefits. You do this because the Lord said to do it. And there are benefits that the Lord has for you that we cannot even enumerate. But you, yes, your health has been tied to this. Also, your mind. Just think, if you weren't consumed with thinking about all these thoughts about this other person all the time, what more... Your mind would be free. Your heart would be free to concentrate on other things. But then more than anything else, your soul. The future of your soul depends on this. Jesus even tells parables about how if we harbor bitterness after we've been forgiven, then it's like we're put right back like we're unsaved. This is so, so important. But uh, as you do have all these people, I just want to go through this, this format with you now. First of all, read Matthew 6, 9 through 15. And this covers what we've just already said. To the, for, in the, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not their tres, men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, you need to understand that forgiveness is a matter of the will. If it wasn't so, if you couldn't do it as a matter of the will, if it was just had to do with an emotion, that would be something else. But just like love can be commanded, forgiveness can be commanded. There's a type of love that we're supposed to have for one another that's commanded. It's not just warm, gushy, romantic love. It has to do with desiring the good for the other party. And you can make up your mind you're going to love someone whether they want it or not. And also, 
you can make up your mind you're going to forgive someone whether they want your forgiveness or not. They may want to continue to be your enemy and they may continue to be your enemy. But whenever we're through this, I'll show you how you handle that at the very end. But first of all, it's a matter of the will. You just make up your mind. Lord, I need to do this. I need your help. And you're going to do it. Also understand that for the Lord's, we have no choice in the matter. We have to do it. Now then, you look on down. Remember that forgiveness is not excusing. Forgiveness is not excusing. Sometimes if somebody can make up an excuse for something, they say, oh, so that's why they did that. Then they understand. And that doesn't take away the pain, really. If there's been a true offense, it needs to be forgiven. Now then, it's not pretending something didn't happen. Some people never get healing in relationships with each other because they want to just pretend that something didn't happen and it's just going to go away. It doesn't go away. It's going to stay there till it's dealt with. It's going to fester till it's dealt with. And you just wind up adding layer and layer of bitterness to your life until you become a person that you didn't even ever dream that you would be. You're no longer the real you that the Lord created you to be. And so he wants to set you free from that. So what it is, it's resolving in your heart of hearts that you're not going to expect anything from the offending person on account of what they've done to you. The reason why we have to forgive, I think, is because we're created in the image of God. And being created in the image of God, we have a sense of justice. And in the judicial system, whenever someone inflicts pain or injury or damages on another person, then they are due something for the damages that have been caused, aren't they? Well, God is a God of justice. He's a God of fairness. And so, but we, our whole concept of how to handle good and evil has been messed up. Let's face it. Remember, uh, we weren't the, the, the tree that we were told not to eat of in the Garden of Eden. It wasn't an apple. It was the knowledge of good and evil. Why didn't the Lord want us to eat from it? Because we can't handle the knowledge of good and evil. We weren't made to really deal with that. We were made to deal with love. But we have this sense of justice. It's in us because we're in God's image, but it's been corrupted by the fall and by sin. And so we don't handle it rightly whenever we are offended or hurt. And so God had to give us some instructions whenever we're coming into his kingdom how to start living the way that he wants us to live in the kingdom. And so we wind up having to forgive. So it's like, uh, as far as damages go, uh, it's like if somebody hurts you in some shape, form, or fashion, you're issued an IOU. And you do something from that person because of what they did to you. And you carry around this IOU in a very special compartment in your heart. 
and it stays there. And every time you think about that person, you remember they owe me something. Every time you come across that person, they owe me something. And all the time that you're around them, there's going to be this sense of unfinished business. Things aren't the way they should be because you owe me something and it's not being given. And so there's this tension that's going to be there until it's dealt with. And yeah, you are do something injustice if someone has hurt you. You are do something. And you want to take it and do it yourself. I mean, you you know, you'd like to just beat the tar out of them, but you might go to jails. And so you don't do that. So it just stays there and you have to deal with it and you wrestle with it and it still stays there. And uh, but you remember, you need to remember that the Lord said something very important. He said to leave revenge, leave the payback to him. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. And so you leave the payment that's due up to him. You turn it over to the Lord. And then you take that imaginary IOU that you have. And forgiveness is whenever, yes, you have truly been wrong. There's some people carry grudges against people that didn't really do anything wrong. Let's face it. They're mad at the whole world because the world's just not lining up with the way they want it to be and the way they think it should be and ought to be. And we went through the anger thing, and you, you, you've seen that sometimes people's anger and stuff just because they're immature and they're not willing to respect other people and let have other people have their own uh, attitudes and ideas and things like that. And they get mad at people for just not seeing things the way they ought to see them. Uh, but that being the case, what we're talking about is true offenses. True offenses. And you've got this IOU. Forgiveness is when you take that IOU and you just tear it in your heart of hearts up in little bitty pieces. And then you take those little pieces and you say, so-and-so, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. And you let it go. And it's done. And you don't bring it up anymore. Do you remember how the Lord forgives you? He casts your sea into the sea, your, your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. He cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. And if you want him to forgive you, you must forgive like that. You can't leave little remnants of it there. You can't keep little pieces of it to look bad every now and then. You've got to let it go. And this whole process that we have here, uh, several steps here. I'm not going to go through all these steps here. But the thing is, is that you prayerfully get along with the Lord. And you take each thing that the person has done to you, each thing that you resent about that person, you know, the person may just be a jerk, you know, let's face it. And you may be holding bitterness against the person for just being a jerk. And that's okay as long as you forgive them for being a jerk. And, uh, and so then you just say, in the name of Jesus, I forgive you. You've been a jerk to me my whole life. But in the name of Jesus, I forgive you. And then you get on down to the bottom of the, the thing there. And uh, the thing is, after you've forgiven this person in Jesus' name for everything that they have done to you, for the way that they are, for all those things you're holding against them, then you ask the Lord to forgive you for having harbored that bitterness. And then you continue by resolving that you're going to love this person in spite of themselves. 
Remember, Jesus tells us to love our enemies. But now let's 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 understand. If you forgive a rattlesnake to for being a rattlesnake, is it going to quit being a rattlesnake? There are some people that are just mean. Let's face it. They're just mean. And you forgive them for being mean to you. But then you don't forget. These are mean people. You just don't have all the emotional baggage attached to it anymore. And that brings up the last thing. After you've forgiven them, from that moment on, you handle each new incident on its own merits. How would you handle this with a person that was a total stranger if they came up to you and said something really ridiculing to you? Uh, Or how, anyway, do you see, you just handle it on its own merits like there's nothing else ever behind. And then, but you really handle it and you handle it the way the Lord would have you handle it. You forgive for having, you get God's forgiveness for forgive for the forgiveness. You receive his forgiveness and then handle things on their own merits from that point on. If you will do these things, you can be set free from anything from child abuse to horrendous physical abuse to all sorts of other things. I can tell you, I developed this process because of what happened to me. And the Lord has set me free. And the one who is who the Lord sets free is free indeed. And you too can be free. The Lord says to take his yoke, give him your burdens, and then take his yoke. Part of taking that yoke is getting off the throne of your heart and starting obeying him and doing what he has for you to do. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.